you deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Bryce Coon alongside Glenn West. This is the Go 24-7 podcast. Uh, we come to you today. Glenn, I don't know about you, but uh, where I am, it is rainy. So the opportunity to talk about baseball uh, is going to be, I think of the birds chirping, freshly cut grass, way opposite the way it looks out to my apartment right now. Uh, very similar to, to Baton Rouge weather. Uh, we've been under pretty much a flood warning for most of Sunday, and we're, co- we're recording this on a Monday, and it's still pretty gloomy outdoors. Uh, I'm going to head over to some baseball stuff a little bit later uh, in the afternoon. Hopefully they are able to scrimmage uh, on Monday afternoon, so we'll have some stuff up on the board for that for people to look at. But, uh, yeah, not, not much better over here, man. Uh, it's been pretty <laughs> bad weather. Well, look, baseball weather is the best, in my opinion. I absolutely love springtime. Uh, you got to hear one of the best sounds to me ever, and that is the sound of uh, the ball flying into the ballpark, the ball hitting a bat, which is one of the best sounds. On Friday, it was media day. Uh, you sent over some audio, but I kind of want to paint the picture here because, uh, Glenn, what was the atmosphere like? Was there, was there I know there had to be some genuine excitement to really start to gear things up. These guys have been working all offseason, training, lifting, but to get out there on the field and really kind of kick things off, it's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, certainly a lot of excitement around this team. I mean, we touched on it a little bit last week with the banquet and all the fans that got to go out and see that. But um, certainly when they're actually able to put the uniform on and uh, start hitting, start practicing, start getting the you know the, their gloves on balls and stuff like that, I think it's just a, it's a different feeling. And you could certainly mm-hmm. feel that. Um, you know, we had a chance to talk with several players, uh, which we'll go into a little bit more depth as we record this pod. Um, but, yeah, just uh, – Really, uh, I, I mean, media days for baseball are always one of my favorite ones just because you get a chance to really get um, some of these players one-on-one before the season starts and uh, kind of pick their brains on just how offseason's gone, just how the, the connection of this team is, is starting to develop. And uh, you certainly got a chance to, to, to hear that in the players' voices uh, on, uh, on Friday. And so, you know, they're – they're full. They're in full swing now. I mean, they've they've got 18 practices over the next you know 20 some odd days before the season starts, and um, they, they're 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 a team that's got you know laser focus here on on the start of their season and uh, and opening it up here on February 17th. So it was a really good kind of first interaction with all the players and getting to catch up with Jay Johnson and uh, picking his brain on what the season looks like. So uh, certainly a lot to to dive into though. Yeah, a lot to dive into. You put up an article uh, earlier in, in the week about um, 
the chemistry of this group. Was that really, could you tell that just, just in the brief moments you guys were able to see? I mean, this is a group that's been working on this, the relationship, the guys seem to like each other, which we know is very important over the grueling course of a college baseball season. Oh, definitely. I mean, you could certainly see it. I mean, the uh, we talked to probably – I probably talked to six or seven different players, um, a couple more one-on-one, and you can hear it in all their voices. I mean, there was a very common uh, message being delivered from these players uh, on Friday, just how connected this team is. You know, Davin, Gavin Dugas is one example, a guy who's been around the program now for five years. Um, I had a chance to talk with Gavin a little bit, and he – uh, essentially told me that like this is the the closest team he's felt like he's been a part of I mean just to this mm. point I mean he's been a part of some really special teams some teams that have gone to super regionals that have hosted a super regional here in Baton Rouge before um, and you know he, he says just the connection with this group is right up there uh, with some of the better teams that he's been a part of and so that gives you a lot of confidence to hear it from a guy like him who's been around the program for a while been a part of a lot of different uh, you know teams and uh, different personalities and I think that's probably the biggest thing that I took from this is that you know look they're going to be a selfless team there that, that was probably the the, the worst the, the word that I heard uh, thrown around the most on Friday was them having to be selfless uh, this season because they are a deep and talented group not only for the pitching staff but also out in the field with the position players um, guys aren't going to be able to see the field every day I mean you're going to mm-hmm. see Dylan Cruz at shortstop. You're going to see Trey Morgan at first. Um, you know, you're going to see uh, uh, Jordan Thompson at shortstop for, to start the year. Uh, Tommy White at third base. But uh, you know, there's a lot of positions that are up for grabs, and that feel and that Coach Johnson feels like um, will be you know opportunities for several guys to see. Uh, the field early in the year and see which ones stick. And uh, there, there might not be a, 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 an everyday starter at second base by the time the season ends. You know, I think that's, uh, you know, a really good kind of way to look at this for these players perspectives is that they're going to come in and they're going to be able to compete every day for a chance to play. And um, whichever ones are, are, are performing at the highest level, we'll see the field. And I think that that healthy competition was really something that stood out to me in talking with a bunch of these players. Let's talk about some of those positions. Obviously, the one that a lot of fans wanted to know coming into the season is who's the Friday night guy? Who, who is that going to be? Uh, we learned that Paul Skeens is going to get that honor, um, at least at the beginning of the season. And we hope, Glenn, uh, you know, Tiger fans hope that that's something he carries throughout the whole entire season and well into the month of June. When you look at Skeens, I mean, look, the stats speak for himself, but when you were talking with, uh, you know, obviously Wes Johnson, new pitching coach, got to talk. I mean, you know, Jay Johnson. What is it? Is it a combination of talent and moxie? I mean, what does Paul have that this, they feel like, hey, this guy, at least at the beginning, is going to be our Friday night starter? Yeah, I, I would say probably the one thing that I've you know kind of gathered about Paul just in talking with not only him but with the coaching staff is this is a guy who knows um, what it takes to be successful. You know, he's been uh, spent the last couple of years at the Air Force Academy where he's learned a lot about just self-discipline and being – kind of making sure you're the best version of yourself you can be every day. And uh, he learned a lot of really great, uh, you know, kind of personal self, you know, self stuff about himself over Mm -hmm. over those couple of years at Air Force. And so uh, I think you really got a chance to see it, uh, you know, over the weekend, if you guys got a chance to talk uh, or got a chance to go out there and catch a few innings, um, he's, he's got it. I mean, he's about, he throws about a hundred miles an hour. 
uh, with his fastball. He delivers, you know, three or four different pitches for strikes. Uh, he's a guy that I think absolutely uh, LSU fans should be ecstatic about uh, as the Friday night guy. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens behind him. You know, there's a lot of guys that I think are going to be considered over the next couple weeks for this weekend rotation. Thatcher Hurd, um, Christian Little, uh, Grant Taylor, Ty Floyd. Uh, I think those are probably the collection of guys that you're looking at in terms of which ones start Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and then one of those guys will be uh, the closer. I, I, I fully expect one of you know Grant Taylor, Thatcher Hurd, or Ty Floyd to be the closer. Talk with a couple people in the program, uh, you know, just kind of casually about that. And you know, they they they're you know they're they're looking to throw either one of those guys out. They feel comfortable any any one of those three. Uh, going in and being the closer for this program. And so uh, you, when, you, when you look at it and you put it all together and all the returning talent, all the guys they brought in uh, from the freshman class, um, th- there's just options. And I think that was probably yeah. the second word, you know, not just the, the selflessness of this team, but there are options uh, with this team on the pitching staff that they just didn't have last year. And so uh, when you, when you kind of put all that together, I think you can expect, a really, really great uh, pitching effort from the Tigers this year. Yeah, and obviously they're led by new pitching coach uh, Wes Johnson, and I got the chance to take the audio that you so graciously provided and uh, and bestowed upon me. Uh, the big thing I took out of Wes Johnson, kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this, was, look, it's not often we see a guy go from a division-leading major league team, not a minor league ranks, and come down. Now, I know that was well-documented well before I you know, arrived on the scene, but I wanted to dive back into that because – when you hear what he had to say about the vision and the talent and the many options that LSU has uh, to go in, whether it's bullpen or in a rotation sense, um, look, I'm not deep into analytics baseball-wise, Glenn. I'm still a little bit old school. But Mm -hmm. the teaching of the why and the how, I think, is what really could unlock a lot of potential for a lot of these pitchers, Skeens included. Yeah, no, I agree. And look, Wes Johnson, I think, is the perfect guy to kind of – you know, mediate that, uh, you know, that logic, that sound thinking. I think they're, uh, he's, he had a lot of success, you know, recently with the Minnesota Twins. And uh, I think this was a situation, though, where he was ready to get back to college. I think he likes mm-hmm. coaching at this level um, and, and, and likes interacting and growing these young arms into some, you know, potentially MLB level talent. And so, um, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the first year of what he has to work with, I think it makes you really excited about the potential of this group. And one of the things that we've uh, kind of come to experience at LSU the last several years has been injuries. I mean, uh, arm injuries have been, uh, you know, a detriment to seasons here the last couple of years. Um, you know, you, you don't have to go very far back and look at Javen Coleman last year who had the mm-hmm. UCL injury. Uh, they've had a number of players in the past, um, that have had shoulder and elbow injuries that have just kept them uh, from fulfilling that talent. And so when you bring in a guy like Wes Johnson, who has seen it at the MLB level, knows how to take care of arms, knows how you know not to overextend guys in some sp- spots, knows when to rest them, knows, knows what makes them tick, I think that is extremely valuable uh, for all of these pitchers. And so – um, you know, he's going to be extremely useful this year. The new strength and conditioning coach uh, that they brought in is already starting to see uh, some really big uh, improvements in a lot of these players' bodies. And so he's going to be a big uh, use. Uh, I can't space on his name right now, but um, I'll go in and find it in a minute. But just, uh, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a pitching staff that is 
very, very highly touted throughout the year and is going to certainly lead LSU to some more wins. Yeah, and he's stated before that a lot of guys are throwing really well right now, and the best thing you want is you hit the nail on the head. I mean, look, over the course of the season, injuries are going to happen. There's going to be bumps. There's going to be bruises. There's going to be sore arms. Uh, a lot of guys are going to be asked to take on a role maybe they haven't taken in years past, and uh, it's different. It's different. So to have so many guys that are throwing well right now that you feel comfortable is a good problem to have. I promise you. Uh, I promise you, and I love how you said this earlier, you have to calm fans down, especially the midweek games. I'm going to say – I'll say this part. You can never have enough pitching. Never have enough pitching, especially with those midweek games that you got to have some good arms throw yeah. there because you want to get some wins there as well. Uh, we take a look across the rest of the diamond, and, and we – you mentioned, and I mean the corners are – you feel pretty solid about the corner infielders. Uh, you mentioned earlier kind of a lightness on the shortstop position. You know, it's it's right now we, we've, we've got a guy they feel like they're going to have in place – could that change? What are the options if it falters? Uh, kind of what's the plan there? Yeah, so Jordan Thompson's going to get the start at shortstop. I would, uh, I think it would probably take a pretty big drop-off between now and the start of the season for him not to see uh, the field on that opening day. He's been, uh, from all accounts, and just talking with him and talking with the coaches, he's 100% healthy. Um, just a, a guy who I think is going to be a real mainstay at shortstop. And, you know, he went through some defensive issues last year for the Tigers, uh, but he was a little bit banged up too. And I think as he got healthier throughout the season, um, you know, he alleviated some of those defensive concerns. Jay Johnson has fully endorsed Jordan as the, the starting shortstop this offseason. So uh, really excited to see what he can do because he also made some really big strides at the plate last year. Uh, a lot of people want to hark on the defensive issues, but I thought he – at times was their most clutch hitter uh, last year for, for them in, in some big spots. So uh, be really great to get him back and in, 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 into the fold at shortstop. Um, in terms of what it could look like after him, I think you're probably looking at Gavin Guidry or Ben Nipple at shortstop. Uh, those are two guys that are going to be competing for second base as well. Um, but I think they're going to have, you know, a, a good four or five guys that they can run at either shortstop or second base, um, which will certainly keep all those players on their toes uh, as the season moves along. And uh, we'll, we can certainly get into second base here in a minute, but I do think that's probably the biggest, uh, I wouldn't want to say question mark, but just the biggest uh, position right now that I think you're, you're really looking at and saying, okay, who's going to be the guy that steps up in that spot? This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. 
So let's play the hypothetical game. Let's say Thompson is that guy, and he provides you know a good glove and an adequate bat at the shortstop position. What does second base look like? I know you touched on earlier. This could be you know a platoon situation. It could be playing the matchup, seeing what it looks like. I mean, is there a guy right now that you're hearing or you've seen that kind of stands out at the second base spot? Yeah, look, I mean, everything we've heard, uh, you know, just from the fall and even into the this last weekend during the spring is that Jack Merrifield is really standing out at second base. Um, he's the the JUCO transfer they got from uh, LSU Eunice a couple of years ago. He played some third base for him last year. Um, didn't really fit well at third base, I don't think, and, and they kind of had to do some shifting in, early in the year. Uh, but he's come back this year, and apparently he's just been – uh, mashing the ball offensively and been a really steady force defensively as well. So I absolutely think you're going to see Jack Merrifield early in this year, uh, kind of get some looks at second base. I think uh, the, the the transfer, uh, Ben Nippolt is another guy you really need to be watching out for. Um, and and uh, Gavin Gidry, the freshman, is going to be somebody who's going to get some opportunities. And uh, I'm going to be really interested to see what Gavin Dugas can do. I mean, I've you know been – been pounding the wall for Gavin the last several years he's been a really steady force for them when he's been healthy and in the lineup but he's uh he's been going through some more injury stuff unfortunately he had an eye surgery in November uh that he's still kind of working his way back from he doesn't have the reps yet that all those other guys have um so hopefully when I get out there on Monday afternoon I'll be able to get a chance to see if maybe he can play a little bit he didn't uh suit up I don't think for either of the two first scrimmages on Friday or Saturday but uh, certainly want to see Dugas out there as well because a couple of years ago, people may not remember this, but um, he was their most clutch hitter like two years ago in left mm-hmm. field. He was amazing for LSU uh, at the plate. And so uh, if he doesn't get the, you know, the second base job, I can certainly see him, uh, you know, DHing or pinch hitting in key spots. I mean, he's been that guy for LSU for for a couple of years now, and I think would be a uh, it would be really unfortunate for him to just kind of fall out of the lineup completely. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, there's 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 certainly a lot of competition right now at second base. I like what Nipple can do. Um, you know, Merrifield continues to impress, and and Gidry's a freshman star that I think they're going to want to see uh, on the field at least in some capacity. I'll ask this because as you get into SEC play later in the season, uh, weaknesses, holes in your lineup can be magnified when you play better competition. So on that second base job, you know, with the offensive potential everywhere else, if that's clicking in the lineup, you know, outfield, I mean, obviously we know the guys that uh, are going to be able to be big bats in this lineup. To win the second best base job, to hold it down, is it really going to be a combination of, you know, they don't have to – be the offensive guy. Maybe they just need to have a really good glove and provide solid defense. Uh, and, you know, maybe timely hitting, like you were talking about, about a guy like Dugas. I mean, in your opinion, what, what does it take? I mean, it, does this a spot in the lineup that has to produce at a high clip offensively? I don't think so. I think probably what they're looking for is, is, is consistent hitters across the board, not necessarily guys who are going to drive in runs every time they're at the plate or or power themselves to home runs, you know, in, in that respect, I think they're just going to be looking for guys to get on base because, mm. you know, usually your middle infielders, your most athletic players, they're most, you know, the guys that you want to get on base and, and, and have run around the bags uh, to give yourselves more chances to score. And so I think that's probably what they're looking at more so than anything is guys that are going to be able to draw walks, uh, hit for contact, get it, get on base on first and second doubles or, uh, you know, singles and stuff of that nature. So, 
Um, I think that's probably what you're looking for at second base. Now, look, a couple of these guys do have some power. Gavin mm-hmm. Gidry is certainly uh, a guy who was brought in because of his offensive repertoire as well. He's a guy that has some pop to him. Um, you know, Dugas is a guy who's hit double digit home runs in a season before. So um, I, 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 there's, there's potential there for that second base to really be a, an offensive juggernaut. But I think more so than anything, when you've got, you know, Tommy White, Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan, Josh Pearson, uh, those guys who are all just, you know, offensive menaces at the plate, you just want somebody behind them that's going to be able to get on base uh, and, and really be able to extend runs. Before we move to the outfield, I want to wrap up kind of the infield with this. We talked about the pitching staff, um, but Alex Malazzo, and I was you know listening to the audio that you sent. Obviously, he, he dealt with an injury last year that just really didn't allow him to have the season that he wanted. But this is a guy that you don't have to be an LSU fan, or in my position, you don't have to have colored, covered LSU baseball to know this is a, a tough, gritty guy. I mean, it's it's the catcher position, which is you know one of the tougher positions to play in all the sports. Um what has Malazzo done this offseason to really make you feel like it? What did he tell you? To He can have a big year, and he can command this pitching staff and, and be that coach out there on the field, but also have a good offensive year. This is a guy that can can do that. He has the potential to be a really uh, an offensive star. Yeah, I mean, look, Malazzo is the, – the one the one knock on him has been his ability to not be able to get on base as a catcher. Mm-hmm. And, like – He's a defensive wizard, though. I mean, what he can do behind the plate, he uh, saves outs. I mean, uh, he generates outs. He saves big innings because of his ability to uh, to play defense behind these pitchers. And so, uh, I, I just I, I don't see a scenario right now where Malazzo doesn't see the field because he was making progress last year uh, before his injury. You know, he had a bit of a knee injury last year that they just couldn't figure out what exactly the root of the problem was during the season. He had the offseason surgery uh, and, and from all accounts has been uh, really, really good uh, in, in his return and his, in his uh, rehab and uh, improvement uh, as an overall player. And so I'm really excited to see what Malazzo can do. He's the veteran of this group. And, and look, catcher is a position where you, know, you don't really need to have a, a – 20 home run kind of guy at catcher i mean that's a luxury to have (laughs) yeah it's a luxury to have that and so what you want is a defensive guy and and you know i think lsu's probably best defensive catcher before malazzo got here in the last 10 years was michael papirski and he was not a absolute you know swinging menace at the plate either he had some big moments in that run to to omaha and and, in that uh environment but uh you know he he wasn't exactly a 300 kind of guy with you know 10 home run plus kind of uh, you know, averages. I mean, uh, I, I just think that the offensive power that you have here with this group, uh, and if Malazzo is able to continue to show you that he can get on base like he did last year, um, he, he's going to be a guy that gets a lot of opportunities. Uh, Brady Neal is another guy, a freshman mm-hmm. who uh, Jay Johnson called out by name, who was ready defensively to be a, a, a contributor. And so the, uh, the the questions with these freshmen was always going to be if they could be ready defensively to compete uh, in the SEC, and it certainly sounds like Brady Neal can. He's a guy who came in, I think he's one of the top catchers in the country this year as a freshman recruit, uh, if not the top. And so, uh, and he's one of those guys that you know is the luxury of of the catcher position. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that can. Uh, get you that the, the double digit home runs if he gets a lot of opportunities this year and so really excited to see what he can do uh, they've got Ethan Frey they've got a- Hayden Travinsky 
uh, Jared Jones, who's also working a little bit with first base as well. Uh, just a lot of names that you can throw out there at that catcher spot. Yeah, and it's a good problem to have. Uh, once again, a lot of depth to really good. And, and I will go back on Brady Neal. I got the chance to to watch some of his his highlights and everything. And this is a kid that you talked about is when you look at catchers nowadays and really throughout everything, you have to be a plus defender to be able to play in the SEC, to be able to have a chance at the next level. But when you add in a kid that has the potential of the bat that Brady Neal has, it wouldn't surprise me, Glenn, to see him get some spot starts in midweek games to yeah. get see him, you know, uh, that'll give a chance for a guy, uh, for, you know, other guys to get some rest, maybe just a DH spot or something like that. But, uh, you know, if Neal forces the issue, I will say this, if Neal forces the issue uh, and he gets some Matt Bats during SEC play, that's a good problem to have. That's that's yeah. a really, really good problem to have. So uh, let's move to the outfield where obviously, I mean, everyone knows the name of Dylan Cruz. Everyone knows what the, what this group can do. Um, but from a depth perspective, how do you feel about this group? Because like we talked about, anything can happen, God forbid. Uh, anything can happen. But what does this group look like, uh, you know, throughout, throughout their whole season? I mean, what, what do they have behind these guys? Yeah, so Dylan Cruz will be your starting center fielder. Don't think I'm breaking any news there. Um, <laughs> Josh Pearson uh, will will start in either right or left field. Uh, still want to see a couple scrimmages before I kind of really pencil him in at either one of those positions because I do feel like uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of guys competing for that outfield spot, that other outfield spot, and there's just different things that they do well um, that 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 could kind of change the trajectory of where they are out in the whether it's right or left field so uh, but Pearson's going to be a fixture in the lineup I think that he he really proved last year as a true freshman to be a a, a difference maker at the plate and he also was a very solid defender uh, still some work to do there but he was telling me this this uh, this last weekend that he worked a lot to improve his body he's in the best shape of his life uh, he's dropped I think about 15 pounds and put on some muscle um, so he's He's looking like he's in for a big year two leap. I kind of put him in our predictions piece last year. The batting order is the breakout star uh, of kind of this group and, mm-hmm. and a guy who I think could really be a, a special piece for LSU this year. And then, you know, for that last outfield spot, you're looking at a couple different players. You're looking at uh, true freshman Paxton Kling, um, you know, sophomore Josh Stevenson, uh, second-year transfer Braden Joe Bear. And then Dugas, again, is a guy who I think is going to get some run uh, out in the outfield, especially if he doesn't maybe win uh, or get a lot of looks early in the year in the infield. I think you could certainly see him uh, revert back to the outfield by the time SEC play rolls around. So we'll see. We'll see how all that works out. But uh, I think probably the leader in the clubhouse right now would be Paxton Kling, if I had to guess. Uh, he's one of the more uh, explosive athletes on the roster uh a silky smooth swing i mean this is a guy who came in last year uh before the draft uh and and said look i'm i'm not even going into the draft you guys can't draft me i'm going to lsu i want to be at lsu and so uh i asked him about that decision and he said the the development aspect and and just what jay johnson's been able to prove in very little time here in baton rouge made him very comfortable with coming to, to school here for a couple of years and learning and, and growing as a player before he enters the draft. And this is a guy who in a couple of years very well could be a first round pick if he develops the way LSU thinks he will. And so I think Kling is a guy who will get a lot of opportunities early in the year. Josh Stevenson uh, was probably their fastest guy on the team last year. Uh, so you could see him out there in the, in the outfield as well with some opportunities, another lefty bat that, 
uh, you know, Jay Johnson loves to have the lefties out there and, and kind of split them up with the right-handed batters. So uh, certainly an option there for LSU as well. But this is an outfield that I think is going to have a lot of uh, a lot of different nuances, you know, kind of riddled throughout the season. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But uh, I actually just got this as well from D1 Baseball. LSU has three uh, players that are first-team preseason All-Americans, uh, mm. Dylan Cruz in the outfield. Uh, Tommy White as a DH, and then Paul Skeens as a utility player. So uh, that's uh, that's a pretty good lineup there for LSU to have three first-team All-Americans in that uh, D1 baseball preseason All-Americans list. So that's uh, that certainly shows you what the, the offensive potential of this group's going to be. Yeah, and this team as a whole, I've gathered this just through the media interviews, they're not running away from the expectations that's been placed on them. But they do understand that nothing has is won yet, and I like that combination. That's a really healthy combination of mental uh, state. W- would you echo that as well? Yeah, no, I absolutely would echo that. I think that you know they're. You know, we talked with Jay um, during the the banquet last week. We asked him the same question, or somebody asked him the same question in the media days as well about these preseason expectations, and uh, they they have made it a point since the early part of fall last year when they knew they had something pretty special here. Uh, that they were going to be pretty highly ranked and all that stuff to to make sure the players know that hey nothing is promised to us you know we have to go out there and prove it on the field uh, every day and um, that's kind of the sentiments that were echoed to us from the players last week as well when we talked with them about you know preseason hype and uh, you know Dylan Cruz potentially being a number one overall pick later this year uh, he doesn't seem to be letting that get to his head as well he's uh, you know one of those one of those guys that's turning on the lights at 9 30 10 o'clock at night to get in some extra batting sessions so um yeah just a really i think grounded group all together uh their chemistry seems to be on point and uh really excited just to see how this all plays out uh, over the next couple of weeks we'll get a chance to go to a few a few scrimmages uh before the opener and uh, on february 17th and then we uh, then we open it up for for non conference play, which will be really really exciting. I think LSU's got a chance to start off really really well this year in their schedule. It kind of leans them uh, into a, a strong start. So we'll see how they uh, how they certainly uh, start out the year though. Yeah, I'm excited for the start of the season. Like you talked about, Western Michigan coming down to Baton Rouge, February 17th through the 19th. And Glenn, um, I got the email, which I was so excited about, that individual single-game tickets go on sale, I think, this upcoming Thursday, which means that at 9 a.m. Central, I'm going to be getting a ticket. I don't know what it's like. I've never been to an LSU game, but I'm pumped. But we're making plans to be down there for the Sanford series. It's going to be a ton of fun to take in a game of the box and – uh, man, I'm excited because March 10th to 12th, that's when the weather really starts to get nice. And oh, yeah. uh, hopefully we have a nice spring day. Yep, absolutely. That'll be a great uh, great uh, time to come in for. And, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, tickets, individual tickets go on sale February 2nd. So we'll be the we'll be the plug for LSU baseball here if anybody's <laughs> listening. But get those tickets, folks. It's going to be a good one. It'll be a good season. Glenn West doubling as a ticket salesman for the LSU Athletic Department. Absolutely love it. Well, look, college baseball season's almost here, and I can't encourage you enough. We're going to do more of these podcasts. We're going to have previews of the series. We're going to have recaps of how the series have gone. And, uh, man, if you like LSU baseball, uh, I think this is going to be a one-stop shop for you to really be able to do that. As well, we've got a great deal – 
that uh, is running this week over on Go247. You need to take advantage of some good VIP content. Like Glenn said, uh, we're recording this on Monday. If they do scrimmage, Glenn's going to have some nice little VIP nuggets um, up for you to see. And uh, Glenn, I hope it doesn't you know debunk anything we've said on this podcast. But if it is, we're going to have it over on the boards as well. So he is Glenn West. I'm Bryce Kuhn. Make sure to hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Like, comment down below. Um, and hey, let us know too what you where you want what, what do you want the lineup to look like, Glenn? I saw that you put that on the board, and I, I think it got spread around on Twitter, and folks were like, "What is this guy thinking?" Like yeah. you know, like so you know, hey, that comes with it. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a lot of fun though. But you know, a lot of good bats, a lot of good offensive opportunities for these guys. We'll see you next time here on the Go Twenty Four Seven Podcast. If you already are a VIP subscriber, make sure to join the conversation. If not, man, we got a great deal this week. You need to take advantage of. We'll see you next time. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.